Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. I'm your host, Paige Renee. We have Teddy G here. Teddy, I'm a little tired because I had uh, kind of a long day yesterday. It was a fun day though because I got to go to X-Golf in Colorado and shoot some content with uh, my good friend Max Homa. So it was fun to... uh, hang out with him and uh, take him through like the media side of things that I normally do. And then I got to watch him play some golf. So that was cool. I mean, that sounds amazing. Did you reveal that you had Finau the week that I had Homa at the Genesis? Did that come up at all? <laughs> we, it was funny because we were uh, kind of like talking about like my schedule and things that I have to do. And we got into the subject of Karma Committee and the videos. And I was like, you know, you really helped me out because I didn't <laughs> actually end up having to do a video because we were thinking of doing one. And he was like, why? Why would you have to do one for me? And I was like, oh, because he missed that short putt. And he's like, oh, yep, that definitely happened. <laughs> hilarious that you brought that up with him now is he as funny in real life as he is on social i think he's almost better in person um he and this is a good thing like he never shuts up like he has so much to say (laughs) on everything and it's just always very insightful and it's funny and he's a very like charismatic guy so it's always fun to like hang out with him and play golf with him. It was interesting because they didn't end up closing the X golf down. So there were a lot of just customers in there. And to see all of the guys just fanboy over Max Homa, I've like never seen that before. They were in awe of him and like helping him out. And like it was, it was pretty interesting to see. So that makes sense. That's why his podcast with Shane Bacon is so good. They can go on and on. Very interesting. Yeah. The fanboy thing is funny. Like when I was a sports writer for the Tribune, you know, back when I was single or whatever, I'd go to a party and I would have all these guys flocking around me and I would be like, I got enough male friends. Okay, let's let's spread out a little bit here. It's weird because 
I see that at pro-ams all the time, too, when, you know, a guy will get to play with one of their heroes or they'll get to meet one of them. And they literally revert back to being <laughs> nine, ten years old and their eyes light up. Like, you know, it's so funny to see, you know, like grown men be so in awe of like a sports hero or, you know, just a tour player or like Max is just such a normal guy. And then to see these guys, you know, like fall all over him and like not honestly, like not even know how to act like lose all cool no idea what they're doing it was the it was honestly like one of the funniest things i'm picturing somebody being like remember that time you got up and down from number 17 you know to win the genesis that was awesome literally it was like that and we were doing like a fun little match so for people who are not aware x golf is a simulator like locations basically like almost like a bowling alley for golf so they have each they have different simulators, different stalls, and you can go with a group of friends and play. It's so much fun. And so Max and I were doing a little match and everyone was watching and they were all helping Max out and like trying to help him and no one was helping me. And I was like, what the hell, guys? My chopped liver? Like no one was helping me. It was the funniest thing. And then they would go and be like, Max, oh my God, that was such a great shot. Like, and then they'd go and play in this club and they're like, oh my God, you're playing these new titles. Oh my God, that's so cool. Like, seriously? total fanboys and and you're hitting it to three feet and normally you're accustomed to probably getting some attention and they're like hey max who are you playing with oh (laughs) what's her name so can you reveal how the match went or do we have to you know watch the video to find out you're gonna have to wait and see how it ended up but yeah no that was funny it's it's different to watch the guys like interact with me compared to how they interact with max like it's almost not that they didn't want to talk to me but they were almost like really nervous to talk to me in a way. I think sometimes I come off a bit unapproachable and Max is so friendly and so nice. And I think that was part of it as well, where it's like I would shoot and then I would like kind of go into my little corner and like relax for a second because it's it's really draining for me as being more of an introvert and doing a lot of on-camera work. And I had to do like a lot of lines. And I don't know if you get this way. I feel like you're very extroverted and we're pretty opposite (laughs) on this. But once I'm done with something, I almost like need time to like decompress. And Max was like chatting it up, drinking beers, like, you know, having so much fun. I think that has to do with it as well. And I think that's something that I kind of learned watching him like how friendly and how approachable he is. And that's something that I definitely need to work on in, you know, everything that I do. I am a max. I yeah. am uh, <laughs> very comfortable. Um, I do some events for this company called Thusio. So we'll have people out, whether it's John Daly or Jim McMahon or Natalie Golbis. And as the night goes on, get even more relaxed. They encourage us to drink. So I'm totally comfortable in that setting. And Paige, it makes me think about what I'm doing on Tuesday. So Tuesday in Chicago, we might get some snow. So it's not really quite golf season yet, although I'm going to get on Friday for the first time. <laughs> uh, my buddy owns Play 18, uh, this uh, simulator spot in Chicago. So oh, we cool. are going to crash that Tuesday night and uh, hit a bunch of balls. I-, I love those places. And you can play all the different courses. You can play Sawgrass. Um, so I think that's fun. Can you reveal what course you played? So we played Pebble Beach. And it was funny because he was, I grabbed driver on the first hole and he's like, you're hitting driver. Like you shouldn't hit driver. And he was like, oh, on number two, like I made an eagle. And he was like going through the round that we were playing virtually as if he was playing it normally and like talking about all the shots that, you know, he had the last time he played Pebble, which was really cool to like hear him like talk through it. I've only played Pebble once. So I like 
can't really remember it. It was a long time ago. And it was funny because I got number one. He's like, wow, this is really how the green is. And he was like talking about how it was breaking. And it was cool to hear like his insight. And we were also watching Harbor Town for the RBC. Yeah. And he was, you know, like watching the guys, and, like talking about the golf course. And so to hear like his insight on everything was really interesting. And I think that's why also all the guys were fanboying because they're like, tell me more, tell me more. Yes. <laughs> I'm about to get giggly right now. When can we see this video? I want to, I want to hear it. I want to watch it. Hopefully soon. I'm still trying to get Max to come on as a guest. So uh, working on that. I'd love to have him on. But if you guys are interested in hearing more about Max, go check out his podcast, Get a Grip with Shane Bacon. Um, It's really insightful. It's a really good podcast, which I don't want to admit because we're podcast rivals, but it's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) There's enough time in the week to listen to both. (laughs) Teddy, I'm excited because I'm an animal lover and I'm obsessed with my dog. And you said that you're going to get a new puppy soon. Yeah, this is this is uh, breaking news and shocking news for anybody who knows my wife, Nori. So for the longest time, I think the perception was she hated animals and pets, probably because she would tell people, I hate animals and pets. She doesn't like the hair around. She doesn't like anybody coming up and licking her like she would carry an EpiPen when we went to friends' houses. If they have a cat, she just wouldn't want to be there. And I think that sometimes spilled over into dogs. Uh, one time I got us a gecko without consulting with her first, and, and that made her angry. So a couple months ago, she's like, um, hey, I've put down a deposit to get a, a puppy um, to go to Valparaiso, Indiana, and to get a uh, Australian mini Labradoodle. I said, oh. Seriously? <laughs> she said, yeah. I said, oh, okay. We didn't really talk about this. So, so what's up? She said, I just think it'd be good for the family. I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm not going to fight you, but, but I will remember the conversation we had a couple of years ago when I said, I wanted to get a dog. And you said, well, if you get a dog, I'm leaving. And I said, win-win. <laughs> <laughs> what was so, the change of heart? Was she, I mean, was it quarantine that maybe did her in and that she like wanted, you know, something else in the house? Definitely a quarantine factor. Uh, our girls are 12 and nine. So I think the spirit is to like get them out of the house and be responsible yeah. for something. I think Nori's looking at it as, as an excuse to go out and go on walks and a bunch of her friends have dogs. So here we are. So on April 30th, we will go to this kennel and meet a bunch of puppies. And then the kennel master, kennel owner takes great pride in matching up the pup with the family. No. And on May 7th, we're going to go home with a little little guy or gal. Oh, are you surprising the kids or they know already? They definitely know already. We've yeah. got names prepared. We've got, you know, we've been checking out like the, um, the development of the puppies on the Facebook page and stuff. So it is, it's a big deal for our house and definitely shocking. That happened with my parents. So I've wanted a dog for the longest time. And I would go to, you know, like adoption centers and, you know, like rescue places. And I would always like send pictures to my parents and be like, can I get this one? Like this, I I want a dog. And they're like, absolutely not, because I know it's going to happen because you travel. We're going to end up watching the dog. My mom, she grew up on a farm. And so she is such an animal lover. And she's like, I just, I just don't even want to deal with any of that. Like, it's going to be our responsibility and we don't want to do that. Like we've already raised two kids. Like we don't need, <laughs> we don't need a dog. And, and so I was like a oh, fine, fine. And then we were having breakfast and there was just a small little like puppy adoption just right next to it. And there was this one dog underneath 
three other black dogs and the markings were so cute and he was sleeping. I was like, I need to see that one. So they picked the dog up, licked my face right away and I just <laughs> burst into tears. So I took a picture and I, I called my dad and I was like, dad, this is the dog. Can we get the dog? And I, and I've probably sent him maybe 10 to 15 dogs before this. Always no, hard no. And he said, yes. And I lost it. So we ended up buying the dog. Um, surprised my mom is on April 1st. So she thought it was a joke yep. and end up being Nico, my dog that I have now who I, you know, like love so much, but my parents love Nico more than they love me. Like they are obsessed with Nico. They are sad because we're going to be moving to Colorado and they're like, they don't care about me. They're like, oh, whatever. Like you're gonna have fun, but like Nico, like are you sure? And they're trying to convince me to keep Nico here, and it's like this whole thing. So it's funny, like as soon as you get an animal, how it almost like changes you, and it makes your life so much better. Yeah, my old standard line when I heard somebody was gonna get a dog, I would be like, wait a second. So you're announcing to the world, I have too much money and I have too much free time. <laughs> they're gonna suck out both. Yeah, so Bo and Penny are the potential names, and so I'm sure cute. this you're right. And this dog is going to be the most popular of the five of us in our house uh, in no time. Oh my gosh, the puppy the puppy phase is the worst though. Like the first week I had Nico, I like I couldn't sleep. I literally couldn't sleep. I was up every couple of hours because Nico was yes. crying. We were trying to yes. crate train him right away, and he like would nip at our, he's an Australian cattle mix. So he would like nip at our heels and we couldn't walk him. He was honestly like a nightmare and he's so smart and so athletic and like needs to run all the time. We would just, we didn't know what to do with him. Like Mm -hmm. my entire family was trying to like train and watch this dog and we couldn't do it. We literally couldn't do. And like I said, like my mom grew up on a farm and she was like, this is the worst dog I've ever seen. So we ended up having to get training, but I, it freaked me out. I'm like, if I can't even take care of a puppy, like how am I supposed to take care of a baby? And some people say that like a puppy is almost worse than a baby. (laughs) So the parallels are amazing. I mean, I, I, I'll be able to better answer this obviously in a couple months. The fact that like, you don't have to take your puppy home at day one and it's more like what, seven, eight weeks is standard, I think automatically makes the puppy easier than the baby. But there's so many parallels that we're already hearing about in terms of like letting him cry through the night. Yeah. And then um, we had a we had a trainer over the other day get a bunch of information. So they said, like, the first one who is downstairs, when you take this puppy out of the crate, like, don't walk him outside or he's going to pee all you carry him (laughs) outside. And there's so many. And they said, like, you know, no stray socks. Don't have any shoes out. Don't. you know, don't have any shoe toys out, yeah. like the confusion. So it really does sound uh, like they're parallels to a baby. Like we're going to get a crate that also has a cover to create like darkness, but you don't want it to be, you don't want it to be too big so they don't pee in the crate. So I am learning a lot. I'm becoming a dog person quickly here, Paige. I'm so excited for all the dog content coming That's up. Right. And hopefully there's dog lovers on this podcast because we are going to talk puppies all day long. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Well, so we got to talk about the RBC, which I watched um, none of it. <laughs> Did you watch any? <laughs> so I watched none of it live, but I ended up, um, you know, got a little sucked into the father-son story with Stuart yes. Singh and his son, Reagan, uh, caddying. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful touch. So I did end up watching on the DVR and I saw when, uh, when Stu hit into 17 beautifully and basically clinched it. And then... Um, 
Stu and his son were having like a huge club debate off the 18th tee. It worked out beautifully. He hit a gorgeous drive and they had this walk up 18 that man, how much would I love to have that with my dad or one of my girls? If, if any of them were, if any of us were good enough at golf. So, you know, look, you'd like a, a, a golf tournament that has some drama and that didn't happen. Stewart sink was too damn good but the father-son thing was awesome. Yeah, I think we're starting to see that more where the older golfers, I mean, Stuart Sink is 47 years old. And even with Lee Westwood, where yeah. he has had his fiance and then also his son caddy for him. And then Stuart Sink obviously had his son on the bag. We're starting to see these players almost make it like a family event. And you can see their attitudes are completely different where they're laughing and joking around and having a really good time. And that's something that even Max said too. He's like, when we were watching the tournament, he said that when every time I see Stuart and his son out on the golf course, they're always laughing and having yeah. a good time. He's like, I can't relate to that. Like, it's so weird, like how relaxed they are. And it almost seems like it's reviving their golf careers to be out there again. We always say like having perspective, but like right. it is just, you know, being out there with, you know, your son or someone you you know love and care for. And it's fun again. It's fascinating because from what I've gleaned and what have you, you've said about, you know, when your dad was with you at golf <laughs> tournaments, it would not be a lot of fun and there would not be a lot of laughing. Yeah. And I mean, just when I go to my kids' soccer games, I mean, even if we're yelling, you know, great job, Elle, or great job, Emmy, they're practically glaring at us. So yeah. I can't imagine it would be a stress-free experience to be caddying for your kid or your dad, but yeah, it is kind of, so it's surprising to me that so many families are making this work. So it never worked with my dad because we have very similar personalities. We're both pretty fiery and uh, we'll just say whatever we want to say, especially on the mm-hmm. golf course. And so we would just get in big fights where, you know, he would tell me to go for something and then it wouldn't work out. And then I'd yell at him and then he'd <sighs> yell at me. And then it would just turn into this whole thing. And my mom would actually caddy for me. My mom was a really good caddy. She knew she doesn't really know much about golf. She actually helped me a lot with my swing because she has a pretty good eye for like positions and she was a professional ballet dancer. Um, but she doesn't, she doesn't know the game. And so when she would tie for me, it almost worked because we would talk about other things than, you know, golf. We talk about boy problems or, you know, just like fun little stupid things. And it really relaxed me. Or she would do something that would make me laugh. Like she had, <laughs> she had this issue dropping things. She's dropped clubs. She's <laughs> dropped, you know, towels. She's dropped range finders. And so half of the round, she's running back to the last tee or to the last couple holes and trying to, you know, grab something. But she caddied for me and like all my US Open qualifiers, which were 36 holes and like a lawn junior golf. And so, it, you know, when you find something that works and I've also had boyfriends try to caddy for me, which <laughs> definitely did not work. So like you have to find that balance. But I think when you do find someone that can keep it really light and fun, that's what's the most beneficial, especially for these guys. I mean, Lee and Stuart, they have played these golf courses so many times. Right. I don't really feel like they need, you know, like a caddy there to like help them through it. They know their game. They know how to play. They know how to read greens. I think it's like they almost need to like make it fun because they've been on tour yeah. for so long. The only way I can relate is when I play courses like Banded Dunes yeah. or Sand Valley um, and some of the country clubs up here where, you know, we walk and have caddies and, yeah, if you have the right personality, like if you have a guy who's really pulling for you, yeah. um, it's inspirational compared to the guys who like just don't give a shit. We had a caddy. This guy was hilarious. Uh, his name is Noah. I don't 
he 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 might mind me mentioning him or you know what no he won't because he just doesn't give a fuck about anything <laughs> he was the strangest caddy we had so he had this attitude where you were almost going up against him so if you hit a good shot he would say that's a good shot for you <laughs> and then there was a time where like i was going to go for it on a par five and it wasn't going to be like a tough, I mean, it was like maybe 250, have my three wood. There's not a lot of trouble around. And I'm like, yeah, man, I need a three wood. And he's just like, suit yourself. You know, you can make a much easier birdie by hitting nine iron wedge, but do what you want to do. And like, I was so motivated then to, to hit a good shot. Just stick it up his ass, basically. I'm like, I've never had a caddy player relationship like this. So that whole dynamic is fascinating. It is. I've had... There's probably two caddies that really stick out to me. I had one um, in junior golf at Cherry Hills, and he was he was there for like 60 years. I mean, like he knew that course <laughs> like the back of his hand. He could look at trees, and that would be his marker for yardages. Wow. You know, he didn't even have to walk anything out off, and it was truly super impressive. And he didn't really say much to me. He was really kind of like – a little weird, yep. you know, just didn't really say much, but it worked because he yeah. was just so calm and he would just sit there and be like, yep, okay, that tree is 140. We're going to hit this club. And he just would hand me a club. I would hit the club. We'd walk to the next shot, you know, and it, and it was just so calming to like trust someone so much. And he had so much belief in himself, right. which made me believe him, which made me, you know, believe myself. And I ended up winning that tournament. It was the Colorado Tournament of Champions. I won when I was 13 and it was like Amazing. a huge shock and I shouldn't have won. And it was because I had such a great caddy and I need a good caddy. And I always needed a good caddy when I was playing. And I think that was something that was really hard for me is I, I couldn't find a full-time caddy, nor nor could I really like afford it. Yep. And also my swing coach, Tyler Hall, he caddied for me at the Scottish Open. And I had a couple big numbers and he like kept me in it and kept me focused. And like, that's what you needed because I could have easily flown off the rails and he knew how to like harness me back in. And that is something I really need. I need like a mental coach and a caddy at the same time. And also at Shadow Creek, there's a caddy named Joey Buffalo, my all-time favorite guy. He is the best. Anytime I go to Shadow Creek, I have to have him as my caddy. And I always play so incredibly well because we just have such a good time together. And like caddies can make or break your rounds of golf. And when you do have a good caddy, you have like the rounds of your life. Yeah. I, I want a guy who's got great stories to tell. He's <laughs> telling a lot of jokes, who was out until six in the morning, who is probably a degenerate who gambles. Yes. <laughs> And somebody who I can have like, you know, sometimes like decently long discussions with about club choices. I don't like the guy who just hands you a club because he doesn't know that, you know, for example, I suck at 75 yard shots. I'd rather have it be 110 or 120. So I like to have the discourse. I want more of a Michael Greller to Jordan Spieth on my bag. That's so funny because I'm the exact opposite. I want someone to tell me what to do. To, like I want them to read the putts for me. Like I don't want to have you know any discussion with them about club selection. But you you like it to be like okay, we're going to talk through every single thing, even putts too. No, I mean I'm not like crazy because also I play super fast, so <laughs> yeah. I, I'm never going to slow anybody down. So the discussion is going to take place, you know, while somebody else is hitting it. But yeah, I mean, like on layups, you know, if I'm like 270 out, I want to know all my options. I want to know where's the trouble? What's my number? What's the window? And maybe I'll, if I'm hitting well, maybe I'll think about where, the pin position for my next shot. Um, you know, especially in places like Banded Dunes and the Sand Valley courses, because yeah. 
these are not just your run of the mill. Hey, let's hustle out at two o'clock on a Friday and see how many holes we can get in. Like we're betting, we're keeping the scorecards. We, we want it to be special. Yeah. I mean, speaking of good golf courses, it was interesting to watch the RBC where the discussion in golf is if you're a bomber, you're going to play so much better. But there's these classic golf courses that anyone can win at. And you saw right. it this week with Stuart Sink, which I thought, I mean, no one thought he was probably going to win this week. It was a surprise to everyone. But there's these really good golf courses that, you know, you have to hit it well. You have to shape shots. And I I love seeing that because I'm almost sick of guys hitting as far as they possibly can and having no creativity out there. So I have no idea why Stuart Sink was not only not on our radar in terms of the range and our golf betting, but like I read, you know, all four or five people who, who, who predict golf tournament results every week, who do the handicapping. Nobody was talking about Stuart Sink. No, he finished T12 at the masters. I forgot about that. Same. <laughs> I mean, I just read that this morning and I was in such disbelief that I went ahead and looked at the results of the masters I don't understand why none of us were thinking about this guy. What's wrong with us, Paige? He's a, a solid guy, a, a you know short to average hitter who's having a great year and playing in a field without great players. He was like 125 to one. Why? I'm an idiot. Why didn't I at least take him as a top 10? Because everyone was talking about Jordan Spieth. I mean, it's always been about like the big names. Like no one's talking about Stuart Seriously. Sink. Yeah, that's crazy that I totally forgot how well he's been playing, too. And I mean, they mentioned, it's probably because they never showed him on the Masters. Never coverage, saw like, one at shot. All. And I think that's something that they need to do better is like showing more players and like highlighting different people because no one has even talked about Stuart Sink until this week. Yeah, I mean, like Brian Harmon was my pick. And I feel like we, we saw and heard tons about Brian Harmon at the Masters and I think we all fall under the spell of like, oh, Colin Morikawa, great iron. Yeah. And, and look, obviously Colin had a great week. Um, but yeah, Stuart Sink, a guy who is a pretty prominent, you know, American player and has won the Open Championship was completely invisible to all of us. Shame on us. Well, every time I hear Stuart Sink's name, it's followed by a picture of him and with his hat off in that <laughs> amazing tan line. I mean, he is like 10 shades darker from like the bottom half of his head to the top half of his head. I mean, I would have to say that golf tan lines are by far the worst tan lines in all of sports. The worst. I used to wear, you know, higher socks to my ankle and then it would look like, you know, I had stepped into white paint because <laughs> there was just like brown here and white here. So then um, I was convinced to, you know, go with the really short white socks. So then my ankles don't look so hideous. My thought on Stuart Sink is I, I just I hope he wears a baseball cap to bed. <laughs> I like I mean, OK, so this is my glove hand tan line. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to see if I can try to get my foot up here. This is my Let's foot see. tan line. Yeah, yeah, it is so bad. I will forever have the sock tan line. I think if you play golf, <laughs> no matter what you do, I will self tan. I will try to lay out. My feet will forever be pearly white. Like they are never, ever, ever changing colors. And then I have, you know, like the, the V tan line and the, that's yep. why I wear tank tops, everyone. That is yeah. why. Cause I don't want the terrible like polo tan line. You know, when I see guys occasionally wear like a tank top at the range, it's like, it looks awful, but I get it <laughs> because yeah, it, like in July or August, when I take off my shirt, it's just like, damn, 
I need some color. This is just hideous. Uh, find me a swimming pool because tan lines are very unattractive. But Stuart Sink, uh, he is in the tan line hall of fame. Um, and his son, I think, is also is going to get there eventually. Well, his son has like a full head of hair. Like what? What happened with that, too? Beautiful head of hair. Um, but that's like, like a generation. Ghost white. Is that what it, how it works? <laughs> I think so. Isn't it the mom's dad? I you know, am very <laughs> fortunate not to have any issues there. But I think it's the mom's dad that determines that. <laughs> well, that was a feel-good story. Another feel-good story was Lydia Ko back in the winner's circle. I mean, she was a phenom winning everything and then had some swing changes, went through a ton of caddies, speaking of caddies, and was just struggling. And she is such a good person. She is so kind, so nice to everyone. So it was really great to see her when, back winning and almost like Jordan Spieth. I mean, Jordan Spieth's having his comeback. Lydia Ko's having his comeback. It's the year of the comeback. How about Hideki Matsuyama? Hideki. I mean, it, it's crazy. I was like talking about the Masters. It's like going back to like 2015. I mean, it was yeah. like a throwback leaderboard, even with Justin Rose and, yeah. you know, now Lydia, you know, doing her thing. So it's, it's really cool to see her, her back in the winner's circle. That is great. Also, I was reading Martin Keimer, who, uh, when I was covering golf a lot, he was, you know, awesome. And he absolutely dominated at the U.S. Open at Pinehurst. He almost won for the first time in multiple years. So this is becoming a trend. Very cool about Lydia. I guess the debate is whether she's long enough now uh, to continue winning. But um, my golf Twitter was like exploding with Lydia Ko the other night. Yeah. And her like even giving fruit to the camera guy. Did you see that little video? She was walking down and she's known for, you know, always having fruit and during a round of golf and she like gave some to the camera guy. So again, like I worked with her just a little bit when I was on staff with PXG and she was with PXG and she never even act like she was a superstar. Like she seriously was so, 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 so kind. And I know I talked about the LPGA and how I didn't feel welcomed by a lot of the girls. And she truly went out of her way to like make me feel welcomed and was very kind. And there are a lot of girls like that who put so much into their sport. I mean, Daniel King is another one. And it is sad to see that like they don't get the recognition that they deserve because even like throughout the pro-ams every single time, like they're so courteous and so friendly to, you know, everyone who plays with them and everyone who comes their way. And it's like, I wish those girls had more recognition because they truly do deserve it. Danielle Kang won an event down here at uh, Olympia Fields, and she was an absolute delight to cover and talk to and a beautiful player. So like Lydia and Danielle, like what did they do to, to make you comfortable? Honestly, it's just talking to me, like going up and talking to me. There's so many times where I was at, you know, events with other uh, professional golfers and they would just sit there and stare at me and talk uh, badly about me behind my back. And it was just that whole mean girl attitude. I think guys and girls handle things very differently where I think guys, even if they don't like each other, they can kind of just... It, it doesn't matter. Like they can act like it's they're friendly and yes. you almost can't even tell. And I really feel like with the guys, like you have to do something so truly terrible to not <laughs> like another man. Like you just, you, know, you guys don't really care about with girls. It's like the petty, small, little things. Right. And it's always like long-term. So it's like every time they see you, it's the same thing all the time. Just being so rude to you, not talking to you. And you remember that stuff. It's like real mean girl shit. And it like, really sticks with you. Like girls are brutal. Like they are so mean. Yeah. I agree with you guys. Like as long as you can talk sports or talk betting or, you know, talk golf or whatever, 
exactly. I think we're like less judgy and less uptight about <laughs> differences in people. Like I hear that sometimes, like from my wife about so-and-so this or so-and-so that, or, and I'm like, I don't know, just let people live how they want to live. As long as they're not hurting anybody, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. I was at, when I played the tournament in Dubai, I was on the putting green and there was a group of girls to the side of me and they were talking loud enough so I could hear. And I knew they were doing that on purpose. And they're like, Oh, who did she blow to get this invitation? And like, look at her dress. She looks like such a slut. And you know, like the most like crazy things that you could say about someone and like starting rumors about me and all of this stuff. It was just like, it, it was a lot. Like it really was a lot. And it doesn't take much to be nice to someone else but just like going out of their way and just like talking to Lydia and she was just kind like she didn't seem like she you know had anything against me and you know she said you know a couple nice things and like just respecting the fact that I have played not at their level but I have you know, put in the time and put in the effort. Yeah. And I get why it's frustrating for them for sure to see someone like me who isn't on LPJ tour and who isn't winning get, you know, sponsors and, you know, more attention. But I think the girls that are kind have realized that I've separated both. You know, I'm not marketing myself as an LPGA golfer. And even if sometimes that is put out there in the news, I'm not the one saying it myself. I've been pretty clear that, you know, I'm doing media work now. Yes. And I think they realize that and they realize when, you know, even when I was playing on the LET that when I was in the tournament that they had more attention on the tournament and that helped them because I clearly wasn't going to win. So I was like, if your name is in the press, then, you know, that's good for you. And I think the girls who are, that were kind to me, they realized that, you know, that I was helping them kind of at the expense of myself because everyone was shitting on me 24 seven. And, you know, I was giving them more opportunity to get more press. It's the best of both worlds. It's win-win if you are bringing more attention to the field and you are one less player that they have to beat. I know you're kind of the sacrificial lamb at that point. I'm not sure why it's so hard for people to understand that, but I know petty jealousies, man. There's too many of those in the world. Yeah, it was we. I remember being at the LET event in Scotland. We were doing, you know, like a media day, and there was like six of us. And they asked like, hey, who wants to do the introduction to the video? And I stood I stood back because I was like, I, I don't want to, you know, offer to do this. I want to have someone else be in front of the camera. And everyone said, Paige, Paige is going to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then they all like a, a one girl who was like really adamant about me doing it, then later complained that, you know, I was getting a lot of attention. I'm like, you literally said you did not <sighs> want to do any of the media work and you forced me to do it. And now you're saying that it's my fault. I'm like, if you want to put yourself out there, you have to put yourself out there. Like if you want exactly. the attention, you have to go out of your comfort zone and do things that, you know, you wouldn't normally do. That sucks too, because like, we're not talking about figure skating or diving where something is subjective. Like you're going to end up teeing up your golf ball and whatever you shoot is going to be what you shoot. And <laughs> yeah. then everybody will be able to see if, you know, you were there because of a sponsor's exemption or if this is going to be your long-term career or whatever. So stop being so like judgy and just, you know, enjoy you for what you are being there. Yeah. I think there's been a turn and it's gotten a lot better, which I'm happy about, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do some hot topics in sports. Getting ready to take on spring. Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary in indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. And we are back. Some hot topics in sports. Teddy, I don't know how much you watch the, you know, the gossip if you're in on all of that, but A-Rod and J-Lo broke up and A-Rod did a social media no-no where he, (laughs) he took a video of like pictures of him and Jennifer Lopez together with like a Coldplay song over it. And it was like, a-Rod and J-Lo forever in a heart. And he was like, I'll love you forever. So bad. Like, so embarrassing. Yeah, he is so cringy. He's done so many cringy things in his personal life. I mean, I think when A-Rod, like, when we think about the big picture with him, my first image is always going to be him kissing himself in the mirror. <laughs> Because the fact that he agreed to do that on a photo shoot and nobody I think had ever done that before. And he's trying to look all like sensual and all that. So that's my first image of A-Rod. Like he just, he just stumbles so badly in public life. I was covering a Cubs game one time and he said something like controversial before the game about Joe Madden. So we're all basically camped out outside like the ESPN booth for Sunday night baseball. And we're like, we need to talk to A-Rod. So we know it's going to be so awkward. And he finally came out and he said something, didn't take any questions. And it's like, you know, he should be the smoothest guy in the world. And he's actually the total opposite. He's kind of like a big nerd. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like when he does these things, he doesn't do it ironically, or it's not like a bit like he, he actually (laughs) does it seriously. And that's why it's so cringy. Like even that post that he did, it was like, what are you doing? Especially because 
I mean, people are saying allegedly the reason they broke up is because he cheated. And it's like, if you were the one who caused the problem, I don't know if you should be publicly like saying you still love them. I don't know if that's like his way to you try to get JLo back, but I don't think she's going to like swoon over an IG story. No, and and it's uh, it's a Coldplay's fix you. Now, I will admit, <laughs> I love Coldplay. I will drive three, four hours to a Coldplay show. Hopefully I won't. They're in Chicago. I see them whenever they're here. So it wasn't, you know, fix you. It wasn't the song choice, although I would just never do any of that. Why would you be drawing attention to that and make yourself look soft? And now you know that every guy is thinking, that guy's just a total pussy. Like whenever we see A-Rod now, that is what we're thinking about him. What was he thinking? Like if that's like your Hail Mary move to get someone back, then <laughs> they should definitely leave you. Like guys listening to this podcast, you break up with a girl. If there is a breakup and you want them back, do not do an IG story. That is not the move. Send them flowers. <laughs> like go all out. Like uh, don't do that. And I, like, I guess like it's hard as a public figure. You don't know how to handle certain things. And if it's a public breakup, maybe he's like, I'll handle this publicly. But I just felt like it was such an odd move. It was, and I'm sure it didn't help. And I'm sure JLo has a lot of people knocking down her door now trying to go. <laughs> how do you feel about A-Rod as a commentator? I think he's good. I think he's insightful and enthusiastic. And I mean, I admire it because he was such a great former player. And you feel like sometimes the better the player, the less interesting analyst they're going to be. Um, or the less, you know, the less quality coach or manager they're going to be just because a lot of them didn't have to grind. You know, you usually want a guy like Joe Madden as your manager because I don't think he made it to the big leagues and he mm-hmm. was a catcher. And so, you know, he had to like work his ass off just to be a triple A guy. And you feel that way about the broadcasters too sometimes because, you know, they had to try to find every possible edge just to make it in their sport. Whereas the great ones get lazy and they don't prep. But A-Rod, I think, is, uh, I think he's good. What about you? I think he's terrible. I just don't oh. find him that interesting when he's talking. When you look at someone like a Tony Romo, he makes it so exciting. And you can tell he's so passionate for it. He's yes. calling almost all of the plays correctly. And it's just so much fun. I feel like he gets more people into the game. But with A-Rod, it, it just, there's something lacking there. I don't know if, I think people's voices make such a big difference. So maybe it's mm-hmm. his voice or like the way he talks about certain things. But it almost just seems like everything he's saying is a cliche. Like he doesn't have any original thoughts. And it's always like, this is what I have to say because I'm doing, you know, broadcast. And it's it's just like he's trying to copy people who have done it before him and he's not right. being original. Yeah, I mean, in his life, he certainly is a phony. So that would be on brand for him. Um, <laughs> you know, I think Jessica Mendoza also does a really nice job. Um, I've not listened to a ton of Sunday night baseball this year, but, uh, you know, I'll have my radar up now more for his, uh, his cliches page. I mean, I can see why JLo broke up with him. If like, she has to listen to that (laughs) all the time. Like I couldn't do it, but like, Ty, have you had like an awkward breakup? Have you ever done something that you regret and, you know, like the heat of the moment and you Mm. thought you were in love? Cause I definitely have. (laughs) So I've not really done anything too embarrassing, I don't think, but I, I have had two that were a little strange. I mean, I remember I was seeing this girl one time and I broke up with her and then like she called me a couple of days later and she's like, I still have my socks at, I'm sorry, it's like, I still have your socks at my apartment. I said, oh, um, you know, that's fine. Just, just, get rid of them. <laughs> just throw them out. She's like, no, 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 I want to send them to you. 
And at this point, I don't think she knew where I lived. I had just been hanging out at her place. So I'm like, oh, like, what do I do here? I don't really want her to know where I live. Where you live. <laughs> I, I don't want her to send something to me. I don't, I, I can't say, well, I'm not going to tell you where I live. So I think I just gave her a fake address and we just uh, moved on from there. I really didn't need my socks. And then there was one other strange relationship where when I was covering the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune and started going out with a girl who worked for the Cubs. So we had to keep it very much under wraps. Um, and then what got stranger was she just um, kind of stopped going out with me and never explained why. And then I get a call from a colleague, a sports writer. He's at the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And he says, hey, um, your ex-girlfriend is here with uh, a picture on the net from the National League. Oh. <laughs> that explains it. Okay. That makes more sense now. So that was probably the, the strangest non-breakup breakup I experienced. Um, eager to hear yours, though. So people have listened to this podcast. They know that I have an issue being ghosted. Like, I have been ghosted more than anyone <laughs> In the history of ever, and I can never figure out why, but all of a sudden people just will stop talking to me, like literally will stop talking to me. And I didn't have a lot of like official, like boyfriend, girlfriend relationships. It was just always, you know, like dating, hanging out. And so I only had like one real official boyfriend. Um, But I would say the weirdest one that I had, that story is on there. Um, But we went out on this like date where he took me through drive through Taco Bell and he didn't order anything for me, but his meal got a free taco. And so he gave me the taco and like, that was that. And so he wasn't like talking to me all that much. And so I didn't have a cell phone at this time. So I had to like call on my mom's cell phone, like his cell phone number and someone else answered the phone and I couldn't tell the difference in their voices. And I was talking to him and I'm like, you know, it's like, this isn't like working out. And then I handed the phone over to that guy that I was dating, not really dating. And he's like, yeah, I think we should break up. And I was like, okay. And I like, but I didn't hang up the phone. Like no one hung up. And so like, then we had like a, like a 10 minute conversation after that, which was the most awkward thing ever. And it was so uncomfortable. So then years later, I see this guy again and I like wanted to date him again. I didn't learn my lesson. And so I went to go see him. And I was like, I would really like to like make this official. And he's like, no, I don't want to date you. And so when we were like leaving, ugh, I, I cringe when I said like <laughs> that I said this. Go on. He, like I thought it was gonna be like a romantic in the moment like movie thing because I thought we were like I was hundred percent sure we were gonna end up together. I was like we were destined to be together. And I was like I just, like said his name. And he like looked back at me as we were saying goodbye, and I'm like, you're the one I want to be with. And I like got in the car and drove away. And he never <laughs> talked to me again. <laughs> like, why, did the actual fuck? why it was the free taco i guess that just stuck with me but i'm like i did the cringiest things with him like i just i don't know why i did that like i can't believe that i said that to him and i like i'll be lying in bed at night and that will just pop into my head and i just get secondhand embarrassment like i i can't handle it I think about past relationships, too, before I go to sleep. Exactly. Kind of things I did right, things I did wrong. All all of that kind of happened with him. He was like my first kiss. And like, I loved him. I was in love with this guy and he never wanted me, never had any time with me. He also said that um, 
He knew he didn't love me because if a car was going to hit me, he would just let the car hit me and I would die. Like, he's like, that's how I know I don't love you. And you know, you know what? I, I was like, you know what? A day later, I'm going to tell you that you're the one because that makes so much sense to me. So do you, you like guys who are then not giving you the time of day? Like, is it key for you? So if a guy is totally like blowing you off, does he become a challenge? And then that's exciting. No, I don't even think it's that because there's guys that have shown interest in the beginning that I like, and then it just kind of fizzles out again. I think with me is that I get, I wouldn't say like to invest. Yeah, no, I get too invested too early. And so like, if I'm like all in on someone, I'm all in on someone. And I think that really freaks people out. Like I have no boundaries and I have no filter. Like I will tell you my whole life story right away. And I think obviously that makes people uncomfortable. But if I like a guy, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to other people. Like I'm just going to talk to them. I'm only invested in them. I almost like get a little like obsessive about it and, and, and about them and the relationship. And that's my problem. But it makes me like a really great, you know, like girlfriend and a best friend. And like, I really care and cherish my r- relationships with other people. And I like to make people feel really good, but that can be, you know, pretty crazy coming off like guys definitely thought I was like crazy and stalker but it's weird because this all happened like before all of the social media and everything in my life happened and I'll get messages from guys that literally (laughs) blew me off and they're like you know what I loved you in college I was just too scared in the moment and I'm like well you ran away at a party from me I saw you running from me don't come back and say you love me now that you know I was in sports illustrated swimsuit you dick Well, if he's saying he was too scared, then that is legitimately true. He was running from you at a party. Literally running for his life from me. I remember this. Like, he ran away from me at a party. I can only imagine after you did the SI swimsuit issue. I mean, was was that a turning point? Or at that point already had you been so big on social media that all these guys were like, I was such an idiot. Give me another chance. Yeah, uh, a lot of them did. And it was funny because um, a lot of them would then come back and be like, oh, yeah, I told my friends that we were like together, like official. And I was like, really? Because you told me we were not dating. And it's like now when you talk about me to your friends, we were boyfriend, girlfriend. So it's really interesting to see. I would say all of them, except for one, came back. And said something to me and like either apologized or tried to, you know, take me out on a date or, you know, right their wrongs. But it was very interesting to see how many of them came crawling back as soon as, you know, I had a little bit of status. And it's like, why do you guys do that? I was the same person. Sure. I, I don't understand why all of a sudden it's like, that's a big deal. I didn't think that was something that guys found like interesting or cool or like, that they were interested in status or, you know, being with someone who Are I you guess crazy? was like famous. You seriously don't think a guy no, I, I get open that. his phone, show your Instagram and be like, yep, when I was 19. <laughs> I ran away from her to party and got her free taco. <laughs> That's right. The guy's like, what happened? Well, we don't have to get into the specifics because, right, I, I declined to buy her a, a, a chalupa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many dumb guys out there. Like I talked to my female friends who are dating and I'm just always overwhelmed by, I think guys are just complete idiots who are dating. But I don't think that they realize it, right? Like as a guy, like when you're doing things, I don't think you think about it in the way that I think about it. Like I will, 
analyze everything that I've ever said to someone and replay the relationship and go back. <laughs> guys don't yep. do that, right? Like you guys don't think about things like that or is it only when it's like a special someone? Not to that extent, but I, I mean, I will say this because of, I knew we were going to talk about like the JLo A-Rod thing. I did go back and um, like think about that relationship with that woman who worked for the Cubs. I didn't realize like she ended up marrying um, the pitcher. So I went back and I was like doing a little searching around and like there were several stories written about their relationship. So, I mean, I didn't care enough that until last night, like I didn't, I didn't try to read any of it. So I guess that's probably a good sign. You know, it's like, okay, she gone, you know, that's insane. I still stalk people that I dated. Like I will still look no. at them on social media because I'm just curious. But again, I think that's why I would get ghosted because I just get like, <laughs> I get invested in people's lives. Like I find that interesting. Like I love keeping track on people. I mean, the whole thing that I think a good number of women do where they come up with, you know, the fake Instagram profile <laughs> so they can follow the guy and the guy. I have done that. I have, I have definitely been guilty of that. I've been, ugh, it's, it's cringy thinking back of all the things that I've done when being in love with someone. Yeah. We, I know. I can't. We got to move on to the next topic because I'm just, <laughs> I've embarrassed myself way too much. But we got to talk about Billy Horschel came out and he said that the arm lock putting technique. I mean, what a transition that was. I mean, so seriously, smooth. that is so smooth. smooth. <laughs> Uh, Billy Horschel came out and talked about the arm lock putting technique and saying that it should be banned. You've seen a lot of players now doing it, and we have different opinions on this. Shocker. But I believe that it should be banned. I feel that it is basically the same thing as using a belly putter. If you're locking it against your body and you've seen a drastic improvement from not doing that technique to doing it, and you've seen it with a lot of players, uh, Bryson being one of them, Will Zalatoris. Yep. Um, a lot of people are now kind of moving to that technique. I think it should be banned. If it shouldn't, if you're saying that it shouldn't touch any part of your body, then an arm lock should also not be allowed. Yeah. I mean, Webb Simpson, right? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. Bernhard Langer always kind of confuses me because he's like, got it up here and nobody yeah. knows if it's like touching his shirt. And then if it's like windy and the shirt is flapping, then he's touching. Like I am just, it, it, I just want less regulation in the game of golf. Like kind of like when we had our debate about divots and you want a ruling, he's in a divot. Let's get the guy out here to rule if it is a divot and a free drop. Like, yeah, you know what? If it was such a great method, everybody would be doing it. If it was so easy to use that long putter, that broomstick and anchor it, like why wouldn't Tiger Woods be putting that way? So that's my general philosophy on this. Also, I think the penalty involved here is that it looks so ugly. <laughs> like for these guys who do the arm lock, like Cooch and Zalatoris and Webb Simpson, oof, they are hard to look at putting. You know, it's not just this like beautiful stroke, whether you're thinking about Tiger or Rory, you know, one of the guys who Rory's does it in the traditional is not way. Good. What are you talking about? Well, but at least it's traditional, right? I mean, it's <laughs> he's got two hands here and he's going back. And, but do you yeah. think that so a lot of the guys didn't actually use the belly putters. Uh, there were very few that used them and few of them who were very successful with it. I would say Adam Scott would be right. the first one that jumps to your mind. But with the arm lock technique, we are seeing a lot of guys now use that technique and are moving to a variation of that. It might not be the super exaggerated, but they are 
you know, locking their arm out and they're, they are resting their club there. So if more players are starting to use it and we're seeing improvements, then should that be time for the discussion? Well, how many majors have been won by arm lockers? I would ask you that. So Cooch has won zero and obviously Will Zalatoris is just, you know, happy Gilmore's caddy. So he's just kind of burst on the scene and Webb Simpson, I was, he, he wasn't arm locking when he won no. 10 years ago. Right. So it's like, stop making good points, Teddy. I know you're going to cut, you're going to, you're going to ban me from this. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. So like the whole epidemic thing, I think it's generally good when people have unusual styles and people don't yeah. look the same. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was, with my buddy Matt yesterday at like the Wilmette golf course practice range. And he was showing me all these different things. And then he's got this super ugly putter. I even put on Instagram. That's like automatic forward press. And it's like, Oh, that's too hideous. I would just rather three putt. So I think, I think it's funny that everybody's always looking for, you know, a new way, a new club, a new this, a new that. But I think it's interesting. Remember when Bryson was doing the side saddle putting? And he was yeah. terrible at it, but they banned it. So it's interesting that they would ban that when it clearly wasn't helping, but they, they're they not going to ban the arm lock, which is actually improving people's putting. And by the way, I think there's our answer. I mean, Bryson won a major. He won the U.S. Open with the arm lock. Yeah. So I think it obviously it has been done. But the most important thing here, based on my watching your videos, is that nobody ever bans the puppy grip. But I think also the warlock, the warlock, the classic warlock, the warlock has to be, you know, at least grandfathered into the rules. I think I'm going to start putting like that all the time, you know? Yeah. There's not much stability, though. I think I need to do that with maybe an arm lock. Maybe that's that's what the next thing I need to do. But, you know, you do see that even with, you know, Bryson using the one length irons. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're ever going to ban that because not a lot of people are doing it. But if that took off, would that be something that they would potentially ban? It's always interesting to see in the direction that they go of like what's not allowed, what's okay, how they're going to change it up. And it's just if they're banning everything, it's like then then they should probably ban the arm lock. And then I'm sure like they don't want to make enemies with the equipment companies. Yeah. So they're all kind of partners in this. The equipment companies are spending Tens of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. I'm sure, advertising on all these mm-hmm. like tour events. So, um, you know, whoever's making the the arm lock, it's probably Bettinardi, I think, which is a Chicago company, and and I think they do Kucher. So that's another kind of sensitive topic in terms of hot balls and hot drivers and what's allowed and what's not. So let's just take money out of it. Money's out of play. Do you think that? everyone should play with the same equipment on tour. Do you think that would kind of even the playing field out and the better players would be elevated? Or do you think that equipment does bring in better or different types of players like a Stuart Sink or, you know, even like a Webb Simpson who doesn't traditionally hit it as long and they're able to compete with, you know, the likes of a DJ and a Bryson and a Brooks because of the equipment. Yeah, I'm open-minded to that. Like if they all were using a scaled-down golf ball where you couldn't yeah. fly at 340. Um, I just don't think we're quite there yet because we still can play on these traditional golf courses like Harbor Town, you know? And if you look at the Masters, I mean, Hideki, what did he end up winning at? Was it maybe 11 under? So it's not like 
25 under. I mean, like yeah. that topic comes up because they had a BMW championship at Medina a couple of years ago and the winning score was like 24, 2500 <laughs> par. And people were like, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. But it was just one of those weeks where like it was soft and the guy, it, it wasn't windy and the guys, you know, it was basically like target practice. So I, like, I don't think it would be a bad idea if they had different golf balls that would scale yeah. back 10 or 20 near 30 yards, but I wouldn't commit to it yet. What do you think? I'm on the fence because it's so difficult to regulate from professional to amateur golf. And I feel that you'd almost, you, it would have to be separate. Like you can't do what you're going to do in professional golf or amateur golf. I don't think everyone should be forced to play the same equipment because that golf's hard enough. Let's not make it harder and like have a ball that doesn't go far enough. Like I've never heard someone complain that they're well, like they're hitting their driver too far and, you know, as an amateur, but for the pros, I do think that should be something that is interesting. But again, I know you said take it out, but we can't, I mean, it's never, ever going to be an option because of all the money that goes into, uh, the club companies and that whole industry. So it's never, it's literally never going to change. We will never see them all playing the same equipment. Yeah. I mean, Jack Nicholas has been talking about the golf ball for, 30 years? Yes. 30 years? Whatever it is, he's been talking about it forever, scaling that back. But it's true. There's still so much more to golf than hitting it long. If that weren't the case, Bryson would have won a couple of Masters Everything. by now, <laughs> and he hasn't come close to winning a Masters. Yeah. So another interesting topic that I asked this question on Instagram post, and I said, who, what sport has the best athletes? And yeah. the it was very interesting to see all of the debates that were going on, but the winner, which I was a little surprised with, was hockey. So majority of the people said that hockey has the best athletes out of all of the sports. Agree, disagree? Uh, I think basketball has the best athletes. I think those NBA players are absolute freaks. And I know this because when I try to play basketball, by the third time I run up and down the court, <laughs> I need oxygen so, I mean, they're so big, they're so strong, they're so physical. Like, look at a guy like LeBron. Um, I mean, the strength that these guys have to have just to, like, the ease with which they put up 23, 24-foot shots. Um, you know, I just don't think if, if somebody hasn't shot in a long time, they don't understand, like, how far that is. And then also from, like, having covered basketball a lot, the, the seats for the United Center for the press were right on the floor, so I'm like five feet away from these guys as they're battling under the basket. You can't believe how physical it is. Yeah. Like, you know, there might be one shot a game where a guy goes up and nobody is touching him. They are getting banged so hard and fouls are not being called, which is good because you can't call a foul on every play. It would make the game tedious. So I think the basketball players are by far the best athletes. See, I would agree with that, but I've seen Charles Barkley and Shaq try to hit a golf ball and they look highly <laughs> unathletic. So I feel like being a good athlete means that you have to do everything well or at least that look good so doing athletic movements. And I I think hockey players are the best athletes because they do everything. I mean, they have to have the leg strength. They have to have the hand-eye coordination. They also <laughs> fight when they play. Uh, right. And they can play other sports. Like, I've never really seen a hockey player look 
unathletic doing other skills. And I think you have to have that crossover and basketball players like, yeah, like they're good because most of the time they're just really tall, but like, are they super agile? Are they agile? I don't think so. I don't think so. They're not that agile. They can't swing a golf club. (laughs) Steph Curry can swing a golf club. There well, Seth are a, lot, a freak of nature. There are a lot of basketball players who are good at golf. The fact that you are penalizing because Barkley and sucks and Shaq is only good with his one arm swing, I think is totally hilarious. Plus, Shaq wasn't even, he was using like, you know, standard equipment, right? Give him a break. No, it like was, <laughs> it wasn't great. Like I, I was trying to help him and he couldn't implement the swing correction. So He's also like, wow with the shot like, at this point. Yeah, I was like, are you not athletic enough to do this? <laughs> As I'm like an IG model talking to an absolute <laughs> legend. And I'm like, are you athletic? No. <laughs> well, there's always a question of like hand-eye coordination in terms of like versus athleticism. So like baseball players and hockey players and golfers, I assume most of them have freaky hand-eye coordination. That said, like when Tiger Woods steps into a batting cage, he looks like me. I I mean, he he sent like a few dribblers out of the infield because you need like incredible, what, forearm strength and those hand, I I mean, all the stuff you need, those guys are are freaks of nature who can, who can hit, you know, curveballs and fastballs and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but in terms of like an athlete, you know, in terms of a guy who I think could probably go and like dominate in the decathlon if they had to in the Olympics, I am going. It would to not be a basketball player then. Can you see a totally. basketball? Oh no, no way! What if that would they not do it? You don't. You don't have to. Pull you don't have to hit a wedge in a vault? decathlon. They're tall. They're taller than the stick. They would not be able to pull vaults. Oh, you, you think? Let's say Kobe Bryant w- would not be able to to pull vault. That guy, if he was <laughs> no. a, if he was still here. And if he had set his mind to it, that guy would have been the best pole vaulter in the history of pole vaulting. No, no way. You know who actually would probably be the best across all sports would be tennis players. No, they wouldn't. Yes, and, they I'm would. a, and, I'm a, and I'm a high school tennis player. John McEnroe, he weighed like 154 pounds. He'd you be a good decathlete. Gonna... I think so. I mean, I'm still that sticking also with hockey players. I'm, I'm sticking with hockey players. I think they're the best athletes out there. I mean, tennis is those guys are amazing. And the fact that, you know, when they play in the French Open, these matches last four and five hours and it's hot and you got to hit 30 balls and the stress that it puts on like your wrists and your shoulders. I mean, they are absolutely amazing. Like if anybody here hasn't seen live tennis, like please go get to a tennis tournament. They, They are amazing at what they do. But I think that's that's more of a specific skill. Um, I'm stick with my basketball guys. You know, who is the most unathletic group would probably be the golfers. I mean, it's, it's like depressing actually. I mean, it used to How about in the eighties, all these guys were like, it was like, you know, nerd central. I mean, now it at least still is. Look the Come part. On. Well, but, it I mean, still look, is DJ. I mean, okay. There's like probably a handful of golfers that are decently cool or like look athletic. I would say probably like Brooks, DJ. Tiger. But Tiger, I don't I I don't think he could do anything else. Do you? Well, he did the whole like Navy SEALs thing. And I've seen him like do the workout videos and run. Like he looks athletic when he's running. Like I remember when I was we had to do weights at SDSU with the the men's team and they looked so unathletic. Like it was embarrassing how bad. Like other teams would look at us doing A skips and laugh at us. Like, that is not good. <laughs> 
Like, I think actually Phil Mickelson, I wouldn't want him to run. I wouldn't want no, him to a cross-country event. But I think he would be, he would figure out a way, whether it's like basketball, you know, certainly in Papa Shot, I think Phil could dominate. I wouldn't trust Tiger playing any other sport. I, I don't think he could like, I don't think he could kick a field goal. I don't think he could make a lot of three-pointers. I think Tiger is just golf. Someone asked me when we were doing an Instagram live, could any golfers dunk? And I, I don't, I don't think DJ. DJ. Oh, well, the famous story is that DJ could dunk uh, barefoot. Okay. So DJ, so yeah. DJ is like the only golfer who is athletic. <laughs> <laughs> got DJ. Maybe. God, I'd like to think like a guy like Morikawa. I mean, like he looks no. athletic. Oh my gosh. No. The, I think in person, they also look a lot smaller and leaner and less athletic than they do on TV because they're yeah. all the same height for the most part. And that's so when you see someone like a DJ compared to like Justin Thomas, like Justin Thomas looks so different because like you actually see him next to someone who is like athletic and like recently yes. built. And so you're like, oh, wow, like that is shocking. Like I played with Ricky Fowler and I was I was bigger than him. Like my well, thighs were short, bigger. But that, doesn't, like, <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're bad athletes. I mean, that doesn't I think mean they're like, like they couldn't be like a scrappy point guard. No, we're, no. <laughs> Golfers, they get no credit at all. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nothing. So we're going to get into some TNA. We have two TNA questions this week. <laughs> All right. The first one, I find this very interesting. Is it better to model your swing after a pro or come up with your own swing? I'm curious, when you were getting into golf, were you looking at male players, female players, none of the above? What did you do? So... I go back and forth on this because I spent so much try so much time trying to perfect my swing to look like someone else's swing. Um, when I first started playing, my instructor Scott Watkins, he is a Mac O'Grady guy, and so I always yeah. tried to model my swing off of Mac O'Grady. And it's not that it didn't work for me, but I couldn't quite get it down perfectly. And I think it was because of my body proportion. So I have a really hard time getting that nice tight takeaway because of the way my chest is. And it was just, and we never really breached that topic. And it was something we never talked about. It was just like, okay, get in this position and I could never do it. So I'd always have to like, kind of go out and roll my hands back. And so that always stopped me. And then because I couldn't hit that position, I couldn't hit the top position. And then I couldn't Mm. get the knees moving down in the correct way. And I couldn't get my foot to roll. And so my body prevented me from having that type of swing. And that type of swing, I think, is the best. Like, yeah. the guys who have modeled their swings off of, like, a Mac O'Grady are the best ball strikers by far. And then you also look at players who have, like, modeled their swings off of, like, Tiger Woods and Adam Scott. And you have to look at your body proportions. I think it's so important to see, like, where your strength is how you're built and that's how you should build your swing. And so when I started working with Tyler Hall, we had that conversation. I was like, Tyler, my hands just roll. And he's like, well, yeah, it's because of the way you're built. And he's like, okay, so we're going to move a little farther away from it, give you some space. And then that Mm -hmm. way you can, you know, just move your arms back. And it was like a groundbreaking, you know, transformation for me because I've never had someone say that before or do something because I shouldn't be standing that far away from it. If you look at my swing, I'm standing too far away from the ball. And I know that my pro knows that everyone knows that, but that's the way I have to do it. So I think you need to go to instructors who 
build a swing around you and what works best for you. And I think when going back to like golfers not being athletic, some of these swings are actually pretty athletic moves. And a lot of people can't get in those positions. Either it's a lack of flexibility, a lack of strength, lack of hand-eye coordination. But again, you need to find something that works for you. Yeah. You've seen my takeaway. It's the same. I mean, my huge pecs make it basically impossible. 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 A proper takeaway. So I just have kind of a homemade swing and just, you know, do the best I can. Have you ever tried? So, okay. I need a, I need a video of your swings. I'm putting this up on the Instagram account. So people, and I'll put my swing (laughs) next to, um, We'll put our swings next to each other and we'll post it. Great idea. Have you ever tried to change it? Because yeah. I give you a lot of shit for it. And I'm I'm sorry that I do because again, what? like I think people need to swing their own swing, but you're like, yours is pretty ugly. Like, have you ever tried to be like, you know what? I'm going to invest time and I'm going to change it. I take like one lesson every two years and then never practice. This is the only problem. Like I live in the city. I live near Ridley yeah. Field. Like there's... There's a range, the diversity driving range where I can go to play 18, but I just don't put in the time. The funny part is like, I envision, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to swing this really nice. Like, I think I'm swinging well. And then I see myself on video and I say, how does the ball even go forward? I don't even know. It's so bad. So the answer is like, you know, we just get bad habits and they are really hard to break. And I, I'm always like, okay, I'm just going to go to golf school for like four days and immerse myself, but that's not going to happen. No. How did it even start your takeaway? It's a thing of <laughs> mystery to me. You're going to have to see it in person. You're going to have to come to Chicago or I'm going to be coming to Denver and we're going to play some golf and then you can have a, a live analysis. How does that sound? Yeah, that's good. I I, I need to see it in person. <laughs> No question. All right. So one other question for you. This is a really good one. What is an activity that you do that's really like just for you, non-golf, probably something athletic, but like that's really good for your mental health? So I love hiking. I love taking walks and working out. So working out is really an escape for me to just get out all of my pent up energy and frustration, but I love just going on walks and I'll just put music in. Um, and then Honestly, something I do is I will just lay in my bed and just put music in and decompress. So like I was mentioning earlier where I do have a lot of anxiety and I'm pretty introverted. So I get so exhausted after a day. It doesn't even matter if I'm not doing anything, even just like going to the grocery store, but like being around a lot of people and being overstimulated, I need time to just be alone and decompress. And so like, I've under, I understand that about myself, but like, I need a good hour, two hours to not talk to anyone, to just be in my room and just chill, just do absolutely nothing. And I think it takes time to like, figure out like what works for you, because even if you're not, you know, you have a lot of anxiety or depression. I do think everyone needs you time. You need me time where it's like you you take some time out for yourself and it's different for everyone, you know, and how people, you know, decompress, like what's your one way to do it? I mean, I love playing online poker, although I don't (laughs) think it's so decompressing because it can sometimes be more stressful. Like I was playing Saturday night with my guys and we had, uh, two tournaments going on simultaneously, uh, a Hold'em game and an Omaha game. So like, there's actually a lot going on. Plus I'm with my family and they're like, my wife's like, Hey, can you start a fire? And my kids and food. So anyway, (laughs) so that was probably, that's probably not a great example, but every once in a while, I mean, I just love a good nap. 
you know, yes. get a nap. Um, I put on like Native American flute, I think, on my phone <laughs> and just close my eyes and get like 15 or 20 minutes. And I really dig that. I love naps. I have to take a nap almost like every single day. It's my thing. But I, I think it's also interesting too, like for you, yes, you take naps, but like you, the way you decompress is like with your friends, like you like talking to people and being around people. I'm the opposite. So I think to like find out what works with you, you need to go through, it's like, okay, am I more extroverted if I, or am I more introverted? And that's going to decide on what kind of activity you're going to do to decompress. Cause some people love to decompress with other people, like being around other people, they need that to almost like get their energy back up again. And for me, that drains me. So I think um, one way to tell if you're an introvert or an extrovert is after a social outing, when you get home, do you feel energized by it or mm. do you feel empty after it? So if you feel energized, then you're more extroverted. If you feel drained and exhausted, it's not that you didn't have fun. You could have just as much fun either way. But if you feel like tired and like you just want to be alone, then you're an introvert. <laughs> I think that is really true. And I definitely feel energized probably nine times out of 10. Although I think we all enjoy that moment sometimes where we just get home and you can just be like, ah, under the belt buckle, <laughs> slap whatever on Netflix or TV and yeah. just say, yes, this is my own time now. Well, I think everyone needs to take time for themselves. Always make that a priority. Make yourself in a priority. But I want to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. And as always, Teddy G, I'm so excited for your puppy. Like, I can't get over that. It's making me so happy. Am I going to have to be one of those people who creates their own Instagram feed for the pup? Is that is that viewed as like obnoxious and annoying or do people actually appreciate it? It depends on how cute the puppy is. If it's a not so cute puppy, it's like when people have kids yes. and they make an Instagram account for their kid. And if their kid's not cute, it's like, what are you doing? What if the kid's cute? It's like, that's a good idea. So you just have to like be really honest with yourself. And it's like, is my dog cute or is my dog not cute? And then that's how you decide if you make an Instagram account. That is totally fair. I will ask you to be one of the judges or maybe be judged <laughs> on the cuteness of my book. I can't wait. But again, guys, thanks for listening as always. And you can always write us in any questions, comments, future TNAs for us, either through email at parihartradio.com or our Instagram account playing around. So as always, thank you so much. And you'll find us here again soon. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash iHeart.